We are so thrilled right now to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our good pound Joe Bartle joining us here on the program. Joe, thanks for the time. How was your Christmas, my friend? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, got a lot of football to cover, which was always a good thing, too. So getting some work in as well. And for a lot of people, it's the fantasy championship. It's always a fun time, uh, hopefully for at least some people and listeners out there. And, uh, happy to help people kind of peruse that as well, too. Was that your first Christmas that the Packers were playing? No, no. I think they I, they, they played the year before, and I actually went to that game. Okay. I'm not sure if it was on Christmas Eve. No, I think it was on Christmas Day last year in Lambeau. So, no, that was the second time. I think it was the first win, though. I do not believe they won on Christmas Day last year, or maybe I'm mistaken on that. And again, again, a game played in Miami last week uh, for the Packers, kind of a must-win scenario. What stood out to you from that win? Uh, I mean, I, I thought um, it was the first time all season that the Packers' defense made second-half adjustments most of the times this year. And I really think this is kind of the entirety of the NFL and, and the separation of the, the teams with winning records and losing records is the adjustments over the course of the half. And most teams have been able to adjust to the Packers in the second half. It was cool to see it reverse. And then we find out that two actually played concussed almost during the entire second half. And what I thought was maybe a good Joe Barry moment for the first time in his career at the Packers might have just been too uh, uh, not really understanding what was happening in the football field. And given the way he was throwing and playing, I kind of leaned towards the latter. Uh, and also more because Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator, has been so miserable this year that I refuse to give him the benefit of the doubt in a situation like this. So what's next for the Green Bay Packers? I mean, we know that they technically have not been eliminated yet from postseason contention, but what's it going to take, Joe? How optimistic are you? Kind of give us the pulse there. Yeah, so you have the Vikings and Lions of the next two weeks. They have to win out uh, for both of those in order for them to have a shot. Now, I would imagine uh, if you beat the Lions, they're going to have a pretty good chance of getting in. The Lions would be the other team that would be competing with the Packers for that extra spot, depending on how the Commanders do against the Cowboys. So the, uh, the Commanders have the tiebreaker over the Packers and Lions. If the Commanders lose one of the next two games, then the Packers or Lions will play uh, week 18 for the seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. Commander's schedule, they have the Browns this uh, upcoming game and then the Cowboys next week. I would imagine the Cowboys could potentially still have someone to play for, so it's not a matter of them resting their guys whatsoever. But if it is a snare where the Eagles win this week, uh, lock up the division, lock up the number one seed, I wonder if the Cowboys even really bother to do much um, in Week right. 18, given uh, they will already have already locked up in their five seats. So that that could be a little bit concerning. Um, I guess I will say, you know, the NFL wants the Packers to be a prime time game Week 18 with something on the line. So we'll find out. I mean, they would have to flex it uh, at the end of this week. I guess following Sunday's game against the Vikings. So not only would you feel like referee shenanigans would be in the favor of the Packers against the Vikings, but I wouldn't be su surprised if we see some referee shenanigans uh, against the Browns Commanders game this this game as well too, or this week. So we'll have to see. I mean, there's a lot that has to go right for them, but they are in a better spot than they have been in previous, uh, you know, last month or so. I, I, I I'm getting closer, like 30% optimistic they make the playoffs. I wish they would have beat the Titans on Thursday Night Football. That felt like a super winnable game that would have put them in a good spot. Uh, and yet here we are, kind of just hoping for others to fall out of things for the Packers have a shot. Joe, the AFC division is going to come, or AFC South division is going to come down to a, a Week 18 matchup between the Titans and the Jags. How do you feel that game is going to go, that matchup? 
Yeah, it, it, it's weird. Have you ever seen this where a team just punts Week 17? And, yeah. You know, the Titans are going to end up sitting 11 different players. Derrick Henry listed as doubtful, <laughs> likely not going to play, which is going to hurt a ton of fantasy managers out there. Uh, all with the intention of they need, they need to win Week 18 to get into the playoffs. That's fascinating to me. Um, if, if Malik Willis was playing quarterback and not let's hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, I'm not sure what the position is, but certainly as a quarterback. I would feel that the Titans have a shot in Week 18, but if they continue to have the ultra kid gloves on the rookie third-round pick, there's absolutely no way that they uh, win against the Jaguars, who has Trevor Lawrence is going uh, completely bonkers over the last month. I want the Jaguars to win. I've been really disappointed in which the Titans have handled things with Ryan Tannehill out. And frankly, I mean, that, that the Titans would be a very bad playoff game. Like, you'd pick whoever is the five-seed of the AFC to beat the Titans pretty, pretty handily if they make it in. I'm not sure you said the same about the Jaguars. I think I think you would probably lean towards the five seed, but that offense is looking pretty good, um, and and you know they're kind of spirited, and I think are coached well. I mean that's such a big difference from last year's Urban Meyer to this year Doug Peterson. So I want the Jaguars to win at Week 18, but I don't think I've ever seen a Week 17 where a team has phoned it in and still has ramifications. It's just next week is for all the marbles. Joe, where do you stand on that in general? Not the phoning it in in Week 17, because obviously that is unprecedented. But, I mean, it's a, it's a year-to-year debate on do you rest players the, on the final week of the year? And it feels like a lot of people obsess over getting potentially rusty, but it's only one week. I mean, is rust a real concern for you if you just simply miss one week? Yeah, so I've uh, unfortunately been on many sides of this as a Packers fan, and I've watched the team rest themselves in Week 17 and 18, even dating back to the Brett Favre days, and absolutely sucked when they got to the divisional round matchup. Last year, you had Aaron Rodgers and company play a a half and some of the third quarter against the Lions. Didn't matter. They still sucked in the divisional round anyway. So I'm not positive. I I think when it's such a long season, especially now with 18 weeks, that Resting guys, I mean, that's the privy of earning the number one spot is to have that opportunity. And I don't think there's going to be rust involved necessarily. Um, but, I mean, like, I, I want my guys to be fresh and have a rhythm. So what the Packers did last year where they played some of the, some of the first half in that Lions matchup feels like the perfect solution. Now, the one, you know, concern I'd have is places literally like Ford Field with that turf and where we've seen so many knee injuries happen in the past. Uh, and if your player's even playing at, you know, three-fourths capacity – you can get injured doing that kind of thing, too. I mean, they're so used to playing full speed and then to say, oh, wait, guys, I want you to go out there and play, but just not uh, don't get injured. You know, like that, that feels like a different mindset that you've never operated before if you're a professional athlete. So there are some concerns there, too. I, I would want my players to co- play competitively for a half, and then I would take them out and try to avoid any scenarios where they get rest. So they still have the mental reps. Uh, they still have the game reps, but it's a situation where I'm avoiding uh, at least a half of an injury kind of concern. For fantasy leagues that do have their championship uh, this week, um, I, just I know it's the very end, and so there's not a lot of things that are going to happen roster management-wise or be different. It, it's kind of what you got, what you got. Uh, but because of a situation like the Titans when they're sitting players or uh, maybe another playoff-related situation, I mean, are there any last-minute guys that you feel uh, might deserve the start that maybe weren't getting starts for your fantasy team earlier this year? Yeah, it'll be tough if you have Derrick Henry and you're in the finals. I, I'm, you might have to look towards Hassan Haskins, who's the back of the Titans. I imagine they'll use 
two running backs. And the spread for Vegas says this is an under 40-point game. Cowboys favored by 12. So if you put that together, you're thinking the implied point total, the Titans might have 10 points. I mean, you, you could still get startable running back two production in that scenario. Zach Moss specifically last week against the uh, Chargers defense, he had seven points and probably could have way more if Jeff Saturday hadn't just abandoned the run for whatever the reason. Um, but you're not exactly happy when Derrick Henry is getting you 20-plus points a game. So it's it's tough. Uh, there really were not a lot of running backs available on the waiver wire this past week anyhow. Um, and guys like Lamar Jackson, who maybe not won't play again. Um, I mean, you've already been operating with that with Tyler Huntley and whatever else. Now, But the one guy that I actually thought was a pretty good waiver wire pickup was Jahan Dotson, and I'm not worried at all about the Carson Wentz switch for the Commanders. I think so long as Jahan Dotson has been healthy, he has been a touchdown threat for that offense. They have Terry McLaurin, they've been getting the tight end Logan Thomas more involved, Antonio Gibson's falling back, but you're still relying on uh, Brian Robinson, but Jahan Dotson is such a crucial part of them actually scoring, and I think for a wide receiver three or a flex, it makes total sense over a lot of guys out there right now. The one good news is it's not like last week where we had a historic amount of unders given all the weather that was going on. That shouldn't be an issue in this week's matchup. So any of the guys that looked favorable but had tough spots because it was four degrees and raining, that's out of the equation now. And I'm happy for that for the fantasy championships because that was very troubling uh, last week. Otherwise, I'd just say defensively, you, you probably could play the Chargers against the Rams. I'd understand that. Um, I'd also be completely fine playing the Buccaneers against the Panthers or Panthers against the Buccaneers. I don't imagine either team's offenses are really going to be all that effective. And Jaguars against the Texans, uh, there was one more, too. I guess the the Falcons or Cardinals, either side of that one, you might be able to get by from a streaming perspective as well. Joe Bartle from Rewire is here with us on the program today. Follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Joe, i got to ask about that NFC South matchup coming up this weekend between the Panthers and the Buccaneers. Carolina, a really dominant win against the Detroit Lions. Deontay Foreman is named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. The Panthers signed Josh Norman, bringing him back to town this week. And Tampa Bay's trying to make another playoff push with Tom Brady at quarterback. What do you expect take place on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium? Uh, I expect the Buccaneers to prevail, probably uh, coming back from 45 points with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's just what Tom Brady tends to do, I guess, and I have no idea why they wait uh, 57 minutes to actually look like a functional NFL team, but uh, more power to the Tom Brady aura, I guess. I don't know. I, um, I, uh, like I, I know I'm supposed to care as a football fan and as a fantasy person. I'm supposed to care about this matchup. But whoever wins the division is going to get obliterated in week one. I mean, it just it does it does not matter to me whether the Panthers or the Buccaneers. The Panthers, I mean, honestly, pretty resilient to be where they are right now. I know six and nine is not a favorable record necessarily, but um, they were deemed one of the least talented teams in the NFL entering the year, and I think it played above expectations. Now, do I like a a uh, offensive attack that? would rather run 65 times and pass 10? No, that's awful. Uh, should not be good for the game. We would never want to encourage anyone to watch that type of performance, but they're winning. So what, what can I really say about that type of when they're winning? And the Buccaneers, they have all the talent in the world, but just have not been very functional at all at this point of the season. I thought it was going to be kind of like, all right, week 12, week 13, they're going to get things in gear, kind of run through the NFC South, which is a really weak division. And that has not been the case. I mean, even with the schedule that I think has been harder than I would have anticipated to end the year, they have not looked good in any one of these games. It, I mean, the, the Buccaneers are favored by three. That feels fair to me. I mean, if this is a neutral field, uh, it very well could end in a, in a tie. And 
uh, be a very embarrassing NFC South yeah. match. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm fully, I think that's fully in play at this point with how these two teams are playing. Earlier this week, J.J. Watt announced his intentions to retire at season's end. How will we remember him? Uh, one of the best Badgers of all time. There you um, go. Uh, obviously, a Packers fan, a Bucks fan, Wisconsin sports through and through. And when I think of Wisconsin college football, I think of J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, uh, his brother a little bit too, Derek Watt, and then uh, Russell Wilson, which is ironic because he was only there for one year. But, yeah. not, I mean, like, J.J. Watt is a, a true representation of – what I think Wisconsin football is, and I was, I was disappointed that he never ended up having a stint with the Packers, although he chose to make that call when he went to the Cardinals knowing they probably weren't going to make any big run. Um, and that was the other part of that. He will be one of the more dominant defensive players of all time, but that Aaron Donald was kind of on the same point as him, it's going to overshadow his career. I mean, J.J. Watt could realistically be a top-five pass rusher in NFL history, but because Aaron Donald was playing at the same time he was in and Truthfully, Aaron Donald really became Aaron Donald two or three years after J.J. Watt was J.J. Watt. It will, uh, I think, kind of uh, cloud the legacy of what J.J. Watt should be because Aaron Donald is quite possibly the best uh, defensive player of all time. And Joe, let's switch gears for just a moment. Let's talk a little basketball because, of course, fantasy basketball just now hitting the halfway point. And uh, last night, I mean, we have to mention this performance. Uh, I don't think it's physically possible to lose a game if you're a Luka Doncic owner that sees a 60-21-10 line. Uh, how crazy was that performance? And then kind of just power rank. I mean, we, there's so many great players in this league, and typically you love a great big guy that gets you double-doubles and efficiency in fantasy, but power rank some of these stars like Jokic and Doncic as far as the top fantasy player this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is a better statistical performance given the situation to end it. Like In, in terms of like a game-winning sequence and what the player needs to do to power them through over the last two decades and what Luka did last night. And I, I say last two decades because maybe I'm forgetting a Michael Jordan in 1990 thing when I just was barely live uh, game. But 61 points, 21 or 60 points, sorry, uh, 21 rebounds, 11 assists, to come back from nine-point deficit in 26 seconds is incredible in its own way. I mean, that's the, that's the Tracy McGrady level to the thing with the Rockets, and yet he did it here. Uh, he, that, that's like a lore-level game. We'll be talking about that for a long time. And Luka is only 23 years old. Like I, I feel like he's been around in the league for forever, but to be able to do this at only 23 years old is incredible to me. Um, you had mentioned the big guys is kind of like a fantasy factor. You're right. But it really has been the scores, and specifically the guys to get the steals and blocks, too, which Luka has been doing better, I think, than um, a lot of people anticipate, averaging 1.7 steals, which is far above his career average. And then uh, 0.6 blocks, which is still certainly in part. Like, it's those additional things from a fantasy perspective that make Luka Doncic one of the best values right now, even when he was a top-five given pick. It's, it's kind of incredible to think about, whereas like Rudy, Rudy Gobert, uh, a bonus for the Kings as well too. It's great they're getting the doubles and points and rebounds. And in the case of Gobert, he's still getting blocks. But you were already factoring that in for their values. You weren't anticipating Luka Doncic is going to be averaging uh, 33 points per game as opposed to 28, which he was last year, and that was a career high for him. And also shooting uh, what he is from three point land, 35.5 percent, totally acceptable in a category league or if you're playing head to head. 
Joe Bartle again here with us. We're talking about fantasy basketball, basketball in general. We saw epic Christmas basketball games over the weekend, and including one featuring your Milwaukee Bucks. I do, however, want to talk a little bit about the Jason Tatum dynamic. Now in his sixth year in the league, over 40 points on Christmas Day. What are we seeing right now out of Jason Tatum? Yeah, I was going to say epic uh, demoralizing loss. If that's yeah. In fact, it felt like most of those Christmas Day games were just absolute blowouts, uh, including that one over my Bucks as well, too. I, you know, I, I wish the Bucks would play a little bit more uh, better in those primetime contests, but it feels like they really don't care all too much. What we are seeing from Tatum is, I think, a complete emergence as a, as a core player in the NBA. And when I mean that, I mean like on the level of Giannis, Steph, Luka, the, the, the ultimate best. And, and Tatum had already, in my mind, had gotten to that point last year. And certainly the finals run sort of cemented that for a lot of people. But if you were ever concerned about what he was capable of doing, I think by now it should be very obvious. Averaging 31.1 points per game, that's five points better than his career average, 26.9 last year. Uh, over the last six contests, I think he's gotten uh, at least 30 points and 40 points in four of those last, or sorry, Sorry, three of those last six. And he's not even like attempting that many more shots than he normally does. I mean, uh, averaging about uh, 10 made field goals per game, great. But only 21 uh, attempts, that's right on par with the last two years. So he's more efficient and, more importantly, he's getting to the line, averaging 8.5 free throw attempts compared to 6.2 last year, which was a season high. That's going to be the biggest differential is that Tatum's getting more aggressive knowing how to get to his shot, and then making sure he gets those easy shots as well, too. He's been impressive, and I think cemented himself as one of the best, one of the very, very best players in the league. Joe, it's always fun to catch up with you here in our final conversation in the year 2022. Uh, Happy New Year to you, my friend, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, okay? Yeah, sounds good. You're going to hit me on the other side of the big old 30. My birthday is tomorrow, so we're going to be having a good old time with that. Uh, and now I'll be the old guy in the fantasy <laughs> field after this. There you go. Next week. Happy birthday <laughs> as well, Joe. Thanks for the time as always, my friend. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on.